Hi, everybody. This is Phil Town. This is Danielle Town. And welcome to the Invested Podcast, where we talk about Warren Buffett-style, Charlie Munger-style investing, going back to the great value investors uh, uh, that kind of started with Ben Graham back in the 1930s and then have really been dramatically updated by Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger and people like Manesh Prabhai and Guy Spear and Bill Ackman and David Einhorn. And- and you and Phil Town and and Danielle Town, my daughter, is learning to invest, and that's what we're doing on this podcast: is learning to invest. We're learning to invest in a way that is thoughtful and mindful and careful and meant for people like me who have no idea what we're doing and, frankly, are trying to find a way to get interested in what we're doing. Yeah. So. And it's happening, I think. It's happening. We're getting great questions and comments to our email address, which is questions at investedpodcast.com. And as everybody who's been listening to this knows, we've been doing valuation now for, I don't know, 20 episodes, it seems like, quite a while. And I think we're really circling into the really important stuff at this point. And we got a we got several, actually, really good questions that we're going to answer on the podcast um, probably over the next, you know, over the next few weeks because there were some really good ones that are going to take some thought. One of them, Dad, that I want to ask first because I did not know what to do with this. Wait, wait, before you ask that. Okay. You said something that raised my eyebrows back there a minute ago. You just said, we're going to circle around to the really important stuff um, off of valuation. Did you mean... <clears throat> like the stuff we're going to be doing now is more important than the valuation stuff by any chance? No, 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 no. What okay. I meant is is within valuation, like we've now covered, you've covered the basics of how to value companies in four different ways. And now we're, I feel like we're circling into like the, the detailed good questions about how you've discussed that and, and what we're learning and, and what is confusing about those methods of valuation. Uh, very good, very good. Because so we're clarifying, we're circling around clarification is what I meant. Okay, because in our, in our style of investing, I just want to be really clear about this with everybody. In our strategy of investing that goes all the way back to Graham, it is unique in, in the sense uh, that modern portfolio theory, that is the way um, your 401k mutual fund exchange traded fund portfolio is managed both by uh, uh, virtually everybody who manages money um, and by the new uh, robo managers. That system of investing is called modern portfolio theory. And it doesn't believe that companies have value that is different than the price that they're uh, selling for in the market. And um, and so they don't really, you know, the Morgan Stanley financial advisors don't really get any training on how to value a company. They have, there's nothing there unless they pick it up themselves because there's no point in learning that according to modern portfolio theory. The, you want to know what the value of a business is? It's the price of the business. That's all. Just go well, ask the for market. Somebody, for somebody who is operating on a minute-to-minute kind of trading style, that might be kind of true, you know? But for long-term investors, which is the Graham, the Buffett, the Munger strategy, we're looking at years and years and years. So we actually care about an underlying value that's different than the price, right? 
Oh yeah, we 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 believe very strongly that uh, price and value can be quite different in the market, and we've talked uh, for many uh, you know many different times about why that is. But the bottom line is that if everyone were rational, then probably price and value would be pretty close to the same all the time. But yeah. it's the fear that creeps into the market, and particularly the fear that creeps into the brains of fund managers, that the academic theory of modern portfolio. Uh, the hypothesis of modern portfolio um, theory, I'm not even saying that right. The <laughs> modern portfolio theory construct is that these guys don't operate with any emotions and nothing could be farther from the truth. It's a very scary business. People lose their jobs all the time and can be washed up at age 33. So it's a scary thing to be out there managing a billion dollars and um, and to do so uh, requires uh, a you, that you get a strong grip on your emotion. And unfortunately, the fact that you're moving around so much money causes you to feel like you have to move ahead of the crowd in some way in order to stay ahead of the crowd. And that creates emotion. Um, and so when there's a big event that happens, you know, an oil well breaks in the Gulf or, um, you know, the Greek bonds get frozen or, uh, you know, you name it, you know, steel prices go to the go to the floor, you know, the president says no more coal. These things have an enormous impact on the emotions of fund managers who then try to respond before the rest of the fund managers to get themselves out of the way of this problem. And that creates a big change in price to value sometimes. So it does happen all the time. And that is why we're looking at underlying valuation methods because exactly. we need to know what the underlying value is before we can know if the price is different from that underlying value. Very good. All right. So now go with go with what you were going to ask. Okay. So Jacob wrote us an email, a lovely email saying that he really enjoys the podcast and he has one clarification question, which was genius, Jacob. Thank you for writing this in. So what he says... Only one is, question out of 67... Y- Weeks of podcasting. I'm so proud of us that, that we're so clear. <laughs> you know that I didn't mean we only got one question at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, after we 67 got... weeks of this, I only have one question to clarify everything. One question from Jacob, yeah. <laughs> which he felt strongly enough about to write in about. And he asks, he is trying to figure out where to get Wait, numbers. wait, wait! Before you do this question, I have to say we just spent a we just spent a few days together last week in New York, and I'm really excited. I just wanted to say it was great spending some time with you, honey. Oh, that's I nice. love you, sweetheart. It was really fun. <laughs> okay, so Jacob asks, where do I find the big numbers? That you, so we had the big four numbers, right, Dad? Do you remember that? <laughs> And yes, he says, I do remember. That. He says, where should I find them? Now, we talked about finding them in the annual reports, but he is looking at different websites that offer those numbers without actually having to open up the PDF of the annual reports, which, you know, is totally reasonable. Why not do that? It's much easier. Um, and so he's saying that he was looking at Netflix and on Morningstar, for example. So he's saying that these different websites have different values for some of the numbers, specifically free cash flow, because free cash flow is a number that we actually have to calculate, if I remember correctly. True? 
Well, we do if we just look at the annual reports, yeah. Right, right, right. So he says on Morningstar, they calculate the free cash flow for us, and they offer a certain value for Netflix. And on MSN Money, they offer a different value for free cash flow for Netflix. And so he, his question is, why are these numbers so drastically different? And, um, and so I, of course, had no idea. And my first instinct was to go straight to the annual report itself to find out what that said. Well, I'm, 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 I'm cranking like crazy here on, on, on Yahoo to pull this up. Yeah, and... so let's check this out. Okay. Um, well, he didn't actually mention Yahoo, so he oh. mentions Morningstar and MSN Money. Oh, okay. He says on Morningstar, yeah, go ahead and bring it up. On Morningstar, they say Netflix's free cash flow is negative $128 million, and this is in 2014. I don't know why he pulled out 2014 in particular, but he did. Okay, so let me walk let me walk through what I'm just doing here. I'm I'm typing in morningstar.com. Up comes the the website to which I do not have a subscription. And I'm it says search and quote, so I just put in I don't know where to, where to put it. I put in Netflix NFLX into one of those two things. I'm, I'll try both of them. And when I put it into the quote screen, it comes up with the Netflix page. And then I look at the choices I have, and one of the choices on the menu items is financials. So I know I'm trying to get to the financials to figure out what uh, they have for free cash flow. Actually, probably the right place to go would be key ratios now that I look at it. So I'm clicking on key ratios. Are you doing this too, Daniel? Why, why, why would you go to key ratios instead of financials? I would go to financials. Well, because um, the financials are, what they mean by financials is the generally accepted accounting principle or gap financials and free cash flow is not a gap financial uh, number and that's why you don't find it when you look at the SEC documents because those documents are called the financials and um, and are um, and are only gap stuff I guess is the best way to say it that <laughs> probably not the there's probably yeah, there's, better ways to the say gap, it. The gap, so gap stands for generally accepted accounting principles, and they are the generally accepted accounting principles numbers that are put out in generally accepted accounting financial statements. So that's why it wouldn't have any non-gap numbers in there it. There you go. Thank you. And so uh, the free cash flow then would probably be in the key ratios pile uh, at, at Morningstar. That's often where it might be. And I look at it and it says financials under key ratios and I scroll down and see indeed there's free cash flow. So I've got it. And he's what what year is he working on? 2015. Oh, I, I see that too. I'm doing this simultaneously next to you here. I okay. see that too. And he's looking at 2014. Okay. So I'm just going over to the 2014 column on the free cash flow row and I get minus 128. Minus one, yes. two, eight. So that's where he got that number. And that's what he reported. Yeah, exactly. Right, good. So let's go over. What's the other one he's looking at? The MSN? other one is MSN Money. Okay. And now I'm clicking on that. And it says search. And I click on uh, NFLX. Click on search. And it comes up again with a bunch of different stuff. And I'm looking at... They don't have... Uh, ratios page, financial ratios, or anything like that. So I'm just going to go to the financials. I guess maybe it's there. And I scroll down. Okay. 
scroll down, scroll down, all the way to the bottom of the, of the, um, okay, what I've got is three statements. I've got income statement, balance sheet, and cash flow. Do you see that in MSA money? All right, yeah. so I'm clicking on cash flow, which okay. is where I would go to, to calculate the free cash flow. And I'm scrolling down, and now I see at the bottom here, free ca- they've got change in cash. They do put a free cash flow line in uh, for it. us. And that one shows, let's get the right year, okay, 2014 minus 53.2. 53.2. Okay, so we got Morningstar saying they've got 128. We got MSN Money saying they've got 53. Um, yeah, and that's exactly what Jacob said. I'm going over to my toolbox. So here. what do you do next? Well, I'm the, yeah. the first thing I'm going over is, is let my toolbox be the tiebreaker. So I'm logging in What is in your there. toolbox? What does that mean? Oh, I built those. I built a bunch of tools. Yeah. Okay. So I built a bunch of tools. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> that I use. <laughs> that I use, and they're they're sort of buried in the RuleOneInvesting.com website, um, and you can you can find them in there if you want to, and come in and play around for a month or so for free. And I basically built these for me so I could see the world the way I want to see it, which is sort of, you know, rule one style uh, numbers. And part of that is the financials. So I'm going to Netflix, NFLX on stock symbol, hit go. Are you on my toolbox at all? Have you ever gone in there? I have. I have in the past. Okay, I'm going to get you a, I'm going to get you a, a, a password so you can get in. And... Um, and this speed basically speeds things up. I haven't been pushing you over here because this is a shortcut all over the yeah, place. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm. That's why I sound a little bit like mm, because I want to make sure I know how to do this. Um, right. I, I mean, frankly, I wouldn't have even gone to MSN Money or Morningstar the way Jacob did. I uh, maybe it's my legal training, but I just always want to go straight to the source. So my instinct was don't trust any third-party uh, website and go straight to the PDF SEC file document. Well, that's a good instinct, my lawyer daughter. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, take, I take your point that after you've done this a bunch of times and you can kind of like realize that, oh, other people are looking at the exact same numbers and somebody's already calculated them for me, I can, I can understand why you would just want to use that. Yeah, they're much much faster. And the thing is, you have to you you know when you're looking at a lots of lots of companies and just researching them, you want something that's already run the numbers for you. I mean, you don't want to have to constantly build Excel spreadsheets and calculate stuff. So um, we did all that over at the over over at my toolbox. And um, but this isn't a calculated number. I'm just looking to see what the what the free cash flow number is. And um, in this version of the toolbox, we don't calculate it. So I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do the math. And what yeah. I see here is... Can I, can I remind everybody what you said um, from our valuation discussion about how to get free cash flow? Yeah, fire away. So what I have from my notes, and tell me if this is right, is that, and I have it in all caps, the following number is not on a gap cash flow statement. Very good. <laughs> For free cash flow. Um, but the way you get it is you take the operating cash line and you subtract the purchase of property and equipment line, and that gives you free cash flow. Very good. Excellent. Yeah, is that true? That's true. So Notes that's what we're going to do right okay. now. Okay. So I'm looking at the, the um, financials cash flow, and I'm looking at the column 2014. And, and which, at the row, are you looking at them from the annual report now? 
No, I'm still only on my toolbox. Okay. <clears throat> and it's looking at cash from operating activities. 2014 is 16 and a half million. And now I have to subtract all of the purchase of property and equipment, which I looked down on that line for 2014, and it's 144.5. So what this tells me is that um, we've got, let's see, 0 0.50, 6 is 8, 3, this one is 2, and 1. So this tells me that free cash flow, according to the numbers I've got on the toolbox is negative 128. So I would agree with Morningstar on this one. Yeah, so you have the same as Morningstar. Okay. I mean, they're drastically different numbers. Yeah, that's a that's a big, big difference here. And it's I got to tell like you, it's not like we're talking about like two million here. No, and the, and really, this is in, this is interesting because these websites are supposed to be taking the data directly from the SEC documents. And clearly, they're ending up with two different sets of numbers. So now, we really do have to go. And, and by the way, this is important because often uh, we just look at one, one of these providers, right? You're not going to look at several to see if the numbers are different because they almost are always all the same. Yeah. Um, so you wouldn't probably bounce over and, and look at three different websites to see if you've got the same number. You would assume that the number is correct. So I like is, Jacob's thoroughness here. Yeah, I do Good too. job, Jacob. But it also leads us to to your answer, which is before I'm putting money into anything, I have to get to the real documents. I love that. That kind of comes from your legal training, eh? Well, I mean, absolutely. I don't know. It's just you, you, you never know what gets lost in translation, and you never know if somebody... I mean, I don't know how they even pull these numbers. I imagine a computer does it. Um, it's probably right almost all of the time, but I expect occasionally something gets pulled incorrectly. So I, I would, just because I'm so cautious, I'm so risk-averse, I would check the actual PDF before I actually put money into something. I mean, this is what you always say, right? We only get 20 companies over our entire lives to invest in. It's kind of a big deal when you buy one. That's right. And so you really have to go back and ultimately look at the at the original documents and make sure you're 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 seeing what um, these compilers have seen. So I'm going to go over to the SEC documents. I'm going to go take a look right now and see if I can figure out what that is. And in order to do that, I've got to either go to the website for Netflix or I can use my toolbox or I'm you can probably get to these documents pretty easy off of uh, MSN Money or Yahoo. I'm not sure exactly what you'd click on. Um, so I'm just going to the toolbox and I'm scrolling down in the SEC forms portion of the toolbox until I find the 2014 10K, which would be released in the first quarter of 2015. So you actually have the PDF on your toolbox? Yeah, we got the PDF right here. Okay. So What well, I'm doing is going to Netflix's website and I put in Netflix investor into Google, which took me to Netflix's investor website, which is different than their normal website where you sign up for Netflix and stuff. And then they have this nice little, um, some of these websites, by the way, of companies are kind of confusing, um, but this one's very clear. And on the, on the left-hand side, they've got a list of options. And one of them close towards the bottom is annual reports and proxies. And I click on that and then the first one on here is the 
sorry, no, sorry, it's not the first one. One of the first ones is the 2014 annual report in PDF. And I keep saying in PDF because that's how you know that that's the one that hasn't been changed. It was the one that was submitted to the P to the SEC in a format that um, that was as the company submitted it and as the SEC accepted it. Very so you good. open up. So you open up that 2014 annual report. That's what I have open. Okay. So are we both on the annual report now? Yeah. Just make sure it's the 2014 annual report, which should be date filed in 2015. True. Yeah. Make sure it's not. It's not the one that says date filed February 3rd, 2014. It ain't that one. Um, I, I just went over to Netflix's uh, page as well. Um, and so you, it says 10K annual report, January 29th, 2015. That's the one you want if you want to look at the 2014 numbers. And then on the front page of this report, it should tell you what the period ended in. And the period ending for the 2014 annual report would be 12-31-2014. So if you don't have that date on there, you're on the wrong year. Yeah. And let me add something else for all of us who uh, who understand how to use Edgar, which is an online system of the SEC where you can look up annual reports. I don't find it difficult to use at all. Some other people have found it kind of tough because it's not a great search system. Your father finds it very tough. <laughs> I don't. It's I not do not hard. use it. I just go. I just uh, makes me nuts. But. But it's a nice it's a nice thing to use if like if I have a list of ten companies in some industry that I'm researching and I don't want to go to ten different websites and try to figure out where to download their annual reports from, I can just go to Edgar, be on one website, and just put in their stock symbols and pull up their ten Ks. It makes it a ten K is the Okay, uh, okay. I, I okay, would you do me a huge favor and put on the Invested Podcast website the instructions, like a little paragraph oh, of instructions. It would no, it would take forever. I mean, it's like you got to like click on this button and then you got to do oh, this little thing. It, forget people it. Go, can, go to you, the, if the, you can't figure it out, just use the company's website. Just go to the company's good. website because. But I want people ridiculous. to know where they come from, and it's from the SEC's website, which is called Edgar-Online.com, and you'll see on this. Um, why, on this why are we even talking about it? Because it's, I find it really useful. Yeah, but it's going to take paragraphs to even tell anybody how to use this thing? They can figure it out, Dad. People can figure it out. <laughs> okay, y'all. Okay, we're going to stop talking about it now Just that you know about figure it. it. And, now, and Dad doesn't understand that there might be things on the Internet that are useful that he does not know how to use. There went 10,000 listeners right out the door right there. They just went, oh, forget it. This is hard. <laughs> It's actually pretty simple. Okay, so let's assume you went to the company's website. Yes. And just downloaded the 2014 annual. Which is what I did in five seconds, so it's easy. Awesome. If I can do it. Anybody can do it. Then what do you do is you scroll down to the table of contents. And at the usually the very bottom of the table of contents of this 10K form, and all the 10K forms follow pretty close to the same table of contents, You'll see the last one will be financial statements. So scroll to that page. In this case, it's page 36. So okay. get yourself and over to page scrolling 36. Scrolling down. Scrolling, 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 scrolling. Me too. I have scrolled to 36. And lo and behold, 
there's nothing on page 36 that looks like financials because that's just the first part of the whole area. So just keep scrolling down and eventually in a few pages, you'll arrive at a financial statement. That's the consolidated statements of operations, which is basically their income statement on page 41. Yay, we found it. Okay, I'm here. Keep scrolling on down because the third or fourth one, there it is, the second one or so is cash flow from operating activities. That's the one we want. This has the nitty gritty data on it for free cash flow. Okay, I've got it. All right. So the year 2014 is the column and we're looking at, we're, we're scrolling right down this pile of numbers <clears throat> to get to the, the first section, which is cash flow from operating activities, to the total on the first section, which is net cash provided by operating activities. That's the, the total of that first section of the cash flow document. And you can see it's 16,483. Yeah. 16,483, yeah, yeah. which was the number I had in the toolbox. That's correct. Net cash provided by operating activities. Yep. Okay. So we know the toolbox got that number right. And then let's scroll on down. And it, the next place we're looking for is purchases of property and equipment inside the next section, which is called cash flow from investing activities. So the first section, cash flow from operating activities, is if you didn't do anything except just run your business and not, not buy new equipment or anything, you would just have $16,483 at the end of that year. That's the cash you would have. But because you're doing other stuff in terms of building the business, then you're going to use, there's other places cash goes. And one of those places is cash flow from investing activities. And the other one is cash flow from financing activities. So those are the three sections. Cash yeah, coming I from see operations. That. I see these, they're all bolded on here. Yep, so it's they're all bolded. Clear. Almost always they're all bolded. So you, you get cash from operating and you spend cash operating. You get cash from investing in the future um, and, uh, and putting your money to work. And you get cash or it costs you cash and you get cash from financing. That means you borrow money or you sell stock. Um, so those are the three areas that that they track on a cash flow statement. And we've we the first section gives us cash from operating activities, which in this case is sixteen and a half million dollars. And then the next section, we're just looking for this one line. It's not the sum of the whole thing. It's just usually the second or third or fifth line or something. And it says purchase of property and equipment, purchase of property and equipment. And we just abbreviate that P, P, and E, purchase of property and equipment. And you'll okay. see there, it says $69,726 and it's negative. That's because it got spent when you purchase property and equipment. Okay, <clears throat> wait, let me just throw in here. Actually, it's in parentheses. Yes. Does that mean that it's negative? Yeah, well, it means that it got... It's money going out the door, not money coming in the door. Okay, so in parentheses flow. is another way of indicating that it's... It's spent. It's not coming in, it's going out. It's right. essentially negative. Okay. Right, exactly. So we have $16 million coming in from net cash from operating activities. And then we have 69.7 going out. Let's just call it 70 for a second. And you can see that if you added plus 16 with minus 70 you'd get um, 54 million roughly, negative. Yeah, I get negative 
Okay, exactly. 243. All right, good. So 53 million negative. Now that's not the number that was on that I calculated. I calculated negative 128, and that is the number that was calculated by morning by MSN Money, and it is not the yeah. number calculated by Morningstar. So I mean that's weird, right? MSN Money got this right. So okay. far, so far. Okay. So this is one of those weird ones where a company did something strange. Yep. And this is why you have to understand the business that you're buying into. And this is why we just try to do 20 of these in our entire lives. Because you need to dig in deep enough to understand what's going on with these numbers. And when you see an anomaly like this where you know one real good website like the Toolbox or Morningstar is producing a number minus 128. And another real good website, MSN Money, is producing a number minus 53. And then you go to the SEC documents and doing it the way we know how to do it, we get minus 53. Yeah, and so I get wrong. that, or I you know, got that, and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to use that number. Wrong. But in a way, in a way it's, <laughs> but let me add this, in a way it's great that Jacob was looking at the different websites because it led him to realize that there appears to be differing opinions on what this number should be. Indeed, there is. And so. if I if I were calculating this in the way that I have been doing it, which is to ignore any other websites and only use the straight up annual reports and use the calculation method that we discussed, I just get fifty negative fifty three. I'm done. I don't think about it any further, frankly. Okay, big mistake. Yeah, because obviously. <laughs> it would indicate a a a failure to understand kind of what you're really looking at here. And what we see on this financial statement from Netflix is that they've thrown a line in that we never see in financial statements. They've got a they've got an anomalous line. They've got a a line that they made up that nobody else uses on the whole history of the planet. So, Jacob, you found the one company on the planet that has this line in their financial statement. And the, and What's so, the line? And, and so if you're me and you've read a lot of financial statements, and you guys will all get there where you, you learn, you get comfortable with the language, right? You're now living in Mexico and you start to get more and more comfortable with Spanish. In a couple of years, you're starting to understand it pretty well. That's all that's happening here is this is a language of business and you're starting to understand the language. And when you look at the cash flows from investing activities, you expect to see the standard stuff. Sale of property equipment, purchase of property equipment, purchase of short-term investments, blah, blah, blah. Well, what I see here is the first line under cash flow from investing activities is, quote, Acquisition of DVD content library. That's wait, what? Oh, I you see, see that. that. You see it's that? Right up, so it's right under the bolded cash yes. flows from investing activities. Yes. Acquisition of DVD content library. Yes. And then the line right below that is purchases of property and equipment. Yes. Now, for just fun, look at the number that you've got there for 2014 on the acquisition of DVD, DVD content library. What is that number? Seventy-four, seven ninety, seventy-four million seven hundred ninety thousand. Right, and that's a negative number, right? Negative, yes, it's you're right. Parentheses. They spent parentheses that. Parentheses number. Add that to fifty-three. 
million dollars, which is what I'm going to guess that's <laughs> roughly 128 million. <laughs> it is 128 million. So my website was smart enough to pick up this anomaly, and so was Morningstar. But MSN Money was dumb wait, and didn't okay, pick wait. it up. So uh, now let me let me explain what what happened here. Okay, what they please. did is they split out something that a company would do one of two things with normally. Either they would put the acquisition of the DVD content library, which means they're buying movies or they're building them, they're, but acquisition, let's just say they're buying them. They would put that into the purchase of property and equipment in a normal company. You would normally include that in purchase of property Be, and equipment. If you, if you thought that uh, these movies were to Netflix what um, railroad trains are to a, a railroad company. You know, it's, the, it's the, the, what they would need to get more of in order to grow. And so that would fall under purchase of property and equipment where you're either replacing old uh, railroad engines, you're hmm. replacing old movies you no longer need, nobody wants, or you're buying new railroad engines to grow with and or you're buying new movies to grow with. So theoretically, you know, you could argue that that should be under the purchase of property and equipment if it's a purchase of something that's going to last a long time. Okay. The second possibility is that a company would normally just put it into their inventory. They would call their movie pile their inventory, like jeans. You know, if you're a clothing store, you got a pile of jeans on the shelf. But mm. these guys have found it to be an odd asset. That is, they don't think it really fits as inventory because they don't really use it up. And mm. they decided it's not really purchase of property and equipment because they kind of are... are are amortizing it relatively quickly, I guess. So here's what I would do. In fact, here's what I'm doing right now is I'm copying those words, acquisition of DVD content library, and I'm copying that, and I'm gonna paste it into a little box on the PDF of this 10K, and I'm gonna put quotes around it. So it says, quote, acquisition of DVD content library, end quote, and then the PDF system that I that is just on every PDF will immediately find where in the entire document of many many pages they tell us about this thing. Sorry, are you talking about the search box that comes up? Yeah, the search box okay. that comes up. So you just do you know Command F or Control F or whatever. You do. Your find is. No, 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 no. It's on the PDF. No. I don't know. Maybe Command F would work. I, maybe it'll work. I'm I'm going literally to the top of the PDF document. Oh, uh, I see what you're doing. Yeah, mine doesn't have that. And there's a there's that little search. Uh, you know, it looks like a a little. Yeah, like on on Acrobat or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's the search icon. Looks... Yeah, I don't have that because I'm looking at it on uh, using Chrome using Google. Oh. So I, just so I go to... downloaded it. Okay, I didn't. All right, well, that was a huge thing. If you download it, you get the actual document. And when you get the actual document, you can do these searches, which are really quite cool. Well, and you you're... can on here, too. You just go to Edit, Find, gotcha. or you go to um, Control-F or you know whatever you well, use for search. When I do that, I, it comes back and tells me there's four different pages that have that information on it. So I'm clicking down through them. And I see that on page 47, um, it says... Acquis the quote acquisition of the DVD content library 
um, is classified within cash used in investing activities on the cash flow because the DVD content library is considered a productive asset. Other companies in our industry classify these cash flows as operating activities. There we go. So it broke it out because it, you know, they their accountants find it to be an odd sort of a of a situation um, where they couldn't really feel that comfortable about it uh, under purchase of property and equipment. But for our purposes, that money is not available to us as an owner, and therefore it is not free cash flow. Therefore, we have to deduct it because what we're looking for is what we would be able to take out of this business um, if we own the entire business. And that's what we're calling free cash flow. So they, they, they made a mistake by not including that at MSN money in their calculation of free cash flow because there is no way that money is available to you as an owner. It has been used up and it is gone. And so yeah, yeah, my yeah, toolbox, yay, and Morningstar <laughs> are correct. That the go go rule flow. one. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a way cool question that brings us deep into the weeds and um, and tells you how serious it is before you invest um, that you really dive in and read these 10Ks and, and understand what they say. And if they're too hard, if it's too hard to understand what they're saying, then throw that thing in the too hard box and move on because there's thousands of companies out there and all you need is 20 of them in your lifetime that are not too hard and you can do this. And yeah, we, it's really interesting looking at it. So we were on page 43 with the cash flow statement. That's where we got these numbers from. And then, and I know we've said this before, how important the footnotes are to financial statements because they explain why they did a lot of this stuff. And so if I don't do that search thing, although the search is really helpful, but if I don't do that and I just scroll down, I go past the consolidated balance sheet and then I come to something oh and then I scroll down past the statement of stockholders equity and then I come to something called notes to the consolidated financial statements and this is this is the footnotes that we've been talking about a couple times and I go through these things and literally on the second page is a title called DVD content library and that's what you just found in your search this explanation of why they've broken out the DVD content library purchase and then right below that is property and equipment so they're literally explaining it in the order that it is on the financial statements it's actually quite clear yeah I want to make a point here when you're saying it's quite clear because it is quite clear that if you're looking for information in a 10k and it is not clear to you what these people are saying it's not clear to you for a reason they are intentionally making it unclear. And that means they're lying to you in some kind of a way. It's time to dump that one in the too hard box and move on. There's no way these guys are not smart enough to make the business clear to you. And in fact, if really, it's got to go in the too hard box. They're either lying to you or it's an extremely difficult business to understand. So difficult that they can't even explain it to a normal person. I'm with you in theory on that. In reality, as somebody trying to learn this stuff, all of it seems a little bit incomprehensible and a little bit too hard, and I just have to accept that about where I'm at and start reading a lot of these so that I can get to the point where I can see something that looks a little different or looks a little weird or looks un a little unusual or, oh, I've never seen that line before. What's that, what is that about? Um, I think once I'm at, once I'm at like a, a competent level, 
then I can say, oh, this one makes no sense. Therefore, it's too hard or they're lying to me. You know I don't know be, if I'm there yet. You know what would be interesting for you maybe is to have a little exercise where you take, um, let's take 20 companies. Just make a list of 20 companies that you think you might be might be fun to look at for whatever reason, right? Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Just 20 companies. And get the 10Ks and every night try to read one 10K. Not, not necessarily even the whole thing, but just... Maybe the business section. I mean, if you could read one 10K a night, they, they take maybe an hour to get through. If you did that on 20 companies, 20 nights in a row, or make it in the course of a month, you did, you did 20 companies. I would love to hear from you about how well you're starting to understand the 10Ks. That's such a good idea. Do they all have to be in the same industry? No, they should be different industries. But just, just totally disparate country, totally disparate industries, totally disparate con- companies. They don't have to be. I mean, like, it's it would be hard to find like twenty different industry companies, right? So just twenty that interest you. They could be in four or five industries. No worries. But the idea is just to let, let's see what a month of reading, consistently reading, little exercise would do for you, and we can report back uh, in five podcasts from now. How that okay. Looks. Okay, let's do, do it. And let's and let's have people do it with me. Okay. And and write into questions at investedpodcast.com about how it's going for you. Yep. Yep. So these are companies that are interesting to you. They might be in your three circles, they might be products you buy. And just twenty of these in one month. And let's hear back um, in in uh, in five podcasts how you did with that. I think that'd be fun. Done. Done, done. All right. Okay. Then let's wrap Thank it up. Thank you for going through this uh, this explanation of the free cash flow. I found this extremely helpful because, as you know, financial statements are a bit uh, dense. They're, and, they're intimidating to everybody. And they're intimidating because of this. Yes. Because of stuff that's weird. Yeah. It's the weird And you stuff. just got to know when it's weird. So, Jacob, thanks so much for your questions. Everybody else, please keep sending questions to questions at investedpodcast.com. Um, we can't respond to all of them, but we're definitely reading them and really appreciate them. So, on that, thanks, everybody. Well, good job, everybody, and time to go play. See ya. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Invested, the Rule One podcast. If you like this episode, you can always get our show notes and more details and links to the resources we discussed at investedpodcast.com. Also, as long as you're online, head on over to investedpodcast.com slash workshop for details on an upcoming three-day live workshop that I'm hosting. All you got to do to go is enter the special podcast code STOCKPILE. That's S-T-O-C-K-P-I-L-E, STOCKPILE, into the application form and you guys can attend for free. So everything discussed on this show is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion, and it is not to be taken as investment advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really do hope you've enjoyed it. So until next week, it's time to go play. See ya.